But this message is focused on how a heart is moved by God. Verse 10, let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. Jumping down to verse 21. They came, the people, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him. They brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, that's the tabernacle, and for all its service and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart. They brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets and all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram skins or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands, and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece, and spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. In verse 29, all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them. See that repeating itself throughout the text? Their heart was moved to bring anything for the work of the Lord that commanded by Moses to be done. They brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. And what was the result of all of them being moved by their hearts to bring to the Lord? Chapter 36, finally verses 5, 6, and 7. Moses had appointed two craftsmen, specific names, though we'll, we'll see their names. But they said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses commanded, gave a command, and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, as you open up the word to our hearts and minds, may we see the truth. May the truth truly set us free. Because, Lord, I believe that you put on my heart something that, that we need to hear, that we need to live out. That, Father, you moved in these men and women you move their hearts to give, to be generous, beyond they probably have ever given before. And Father, I pray it will do the same for us. I pray it will be life-changing for us. It will be a people of, of generosity and love and grace. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So perhaps this text is something that I should have read before we take up the offering each week. What do you think? <laughs> it's a bit motivating, I feel like, to see people so generous to the Lord's work. I mean, can you imagine that, that, that the call was put out there that you should bring to the Lord's work your offering, your free will offering, as the Lord moves your heart, and you bring so much that the pastor's like, okay, man, let's dial it down a notch. You guys have done too much. Stop giving. 
Look, I've been in ministry for over 20 years. It's never happened. <laughs> I've never heard of a pastor saying, okay, folks, you're giving too much. It's always the opposite. We need more. We're, we're falling behind. Our, our, you know, give more. But this, this church, these people were told, you've done enough. You, you, you've gotten enough for us. We, we can do the work now. They were generous. The title of this message is Being Generous. And it comes from the Word. And like I said, I, I don't pick... In fact, there are some pastors that preach about money all the time. I, I rarely preach about it. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the only time that I do is when it comes up in the text. And it's here in the text, and I'm not skipping over it. I'm going to show you what it says, and, and I'm going to hopefully show you what it means to be generous. Because I want to be generous. I mean, I like being generous. Do you like being generous? I mean, my wife likes being generous, and I think our children see parents that are generous. And our hope is, is that that leaves a legacy with our children, that they will want to be generous people, that they will want to go above and beyond. It's a great feeling to be generous, isn't it? It is. It really, truly is. And I don't love being generous occasionally. I like being generous all the time. I don't think being generous should, should just happen like once in a while. I think it should be your lifestyle. I think being generous should be a lifestyle. But what causes a person to be generous as their lifestyle? Like what, what, what motivates a person to give above and beyond more than what is expected? What drives someone to give even if it hurts their own pocketbook? That's not an interesting question. Like, I mean, really, think about that. Like, what would motivate someone to do that? What would drive someone to give more than they could really afford to give? Recently, I saw a Facebook post, and it said something to the effect of, and it was a Christian saying, like, this is what they wanted to do. It said something to the effect of, bless me, God, financially, so that I can bless others. Like, make my cup overflow so that I just spill out on people blessings. And you know what? That seems like a generous person. However, in the Bible, what I see, I see people who had very little in their cup to begin with, barely enough for themselves, and they pour that out on other people. Like, they're like, get every drop out on that person. That's generous. That's being generous. Jesus commended a woman for giving her very last two coins as being generous. Comparing it to some religious leaders who were proudly giving a lot of money, but probably wasn't even the minimum amount, or it was exactly what was to be expected as a religious person. They were probably giving their tithe and maybe the expected offerings, but this woman gave everything. And that's who gets the gold star for being generous. So how do we get there? I mean, how do we get to the point where we are generous, where we're being generous? I really think the answer is, here in Exodus, of course, we see people being generous. It's a good example. But 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, Paul writes a letter to this church. And he says some things about being generous. And I think that it's just, it's perfect. It's what you need to hear. It's what 
you need to see. But specifically, there's a verse that I want you to memorize. I know some of us are like, I don't memorize Scripture, Pastor. I can't do it. Yeah, you can. You memorize song lyrics before, you can memorize three lines. <laughs> you can memorize a verse. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says this. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which produces thanksgiving to God. Will you say that with me? Back to the beginning. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which produces thanksgiving to God. You see, there's a whole lot in that verse that you need to understand. You may have read that verse before and never really thought much about it, but I'm going to help you think much about it today. Because it's powerful, it's impactful, and it's the key to being generous. It it really is. Paul Paul gives two reasons why you want to be generous. He said, you'll be enriched in every way. Enriched in every way. Being generous makes you rich. Now, I'll unpack what that means. But also, the part you probably never thought about, it produces thanksgiving to God. It brings God glory, and God really likes to have the glory, doesn't he? That's what being generous does. It gives God glory. So scholars believe Paul actually wrote four letters to this church in Corinth that he started and spent about 18 months ministering there. Remember, Paul was a missionary. He traveled starting in you know, Jerusalem and, and then Antioch, and then he went around the Mediterranean Sea, that beautiful area we all want to visit someday, you know, that, that's where the sun just shines and shines and shines, and it's beautiful blue water. Yeah, he traveled around the Mediterranean Sea, and he planted churches in every major city that he came into. Corinth was one of those major cities. And he planted this church, and he spent some time ministering there. God opened the door for him. People were coming to Christ and surrendering their life to him. And as he was planting these churches, and then he went away and planted other churches, he would write letters back to the churches. He wrote four letters, but the Bible only has two of them. So two of them were lost, two of them were whatever, but we have two, and they were important ones for us. Because in the first letter, which we call 1 Corinthians, to, which was actually, probably they say, the scholars say the second letter, but that letter that we have, Paul rebukes the church. Specifically the way they used the spiritual gifts. I mean, they excelled in all the spiritual gifts, and they were kind of misusing them. So he rebukes them. But in the second letter to them, the one that I'm reading you from, he actually commends them because they repented. They turned away from their, you know, kind of misuse, and, and they repented, and, and then they did it right. So he's encouraging them now, and specifically in these two chapters, 8 and 9, to be generous as you promised you would. Because they made a promise. They said about a year ago they would give to the saints in Jerusalem. They made a promise. You see, in Jerusalem, the Christians were persecuted, and they were pretty they were poor. They didn't have a lot. Corinth was a wealthy city, so they had the opportunity to give and to bless these, these Christians in Jerusalem. And so he's telling them, you need to do this. You need to follow through on what you said you were going to do. And I think Paul points out something really significant about giving to the Lord's work. When you give to the Lord's work, listen to what Paul says to 
to the church there in 2 Corinthians 8, 7. So chapter 8, verse 7. He said, as you excel in everything, in those spiritual gifts, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. See, what I like what Paul says here is he refers to giving as an act of grace. Now, the New Testament, the original text, is written in Greek. And the Greek word for grace is the word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. And it's very similar to the word for gift, which is charisma. And Paul said, listen, you excel in these spiritual charismas. How about now you excel in charis, charis, in grace? You excel in spiritual gifts. Now excel in giving also. I want you to be extravagant givers. I want you to be so generous that people are blown away. And then he helps them understand, listen, it's not even the amount that you give. It's not what he was getting at. He wasn't saying, like, give, you know, buku bucks. You know, really blow them away in Jerusalem by the amount that you give them. No, no, not at all. Because he says in verse 12, he says, if the readiness is there, it's acceptable according to what a person has, not according to a person or to what he does not have. Just like that woman that Jesus commended. She didn't have a lot. She had two coins left. But she gave it all. And that's what Paul is saying here. It's not the amount. It's the readiness. Are you ready, willing, and able? And are you going to follow through? And then he helps them understand that being generous is not giving what's expected. You know, when you, when you give money to other people as a gift, maybe a graduation gift or or a birthday present, or something like that, you've probably asked yourself the question that I've asked myself, and my wife and I have talked about it, you know, what's expected? What's the going rate these days, you know? You know what I'm talking about? You've probably thought about this before. You know, and with inflation these days, I don't know, what's the going rate now for a birthday present? $1,000? I mean, (laughs) it's crazy, you know? But seriously, we ask that question, what's expected? And if you give what's expected, what's the norm is, that's not being generous. Generous is above and beyond that. And Paul mentions in this letter to the churches in Macedonia, he mentions to this church in Corinth, sorry, there were other churches in Macedonia that gave out of their really poverty. I mean, they literally begged Paul, can we please give more? Can we give to this cause? And they were broke, folks. They were broke. Their cups were basically empty, but they desperately wanted to give and help. And when they did, Paul wanted to let all Christians know, that's being generous. It's not, what you don't give what's expected. You give way above that. And then Paul said something that we have probably on our envelopes. We did a re- redo on our envelopes, but we've had it on our, our giving envelopes in the past, and there's giving envelopes in the chairs and in the back, but it's the verse from 2 Corinthians 9, 7, which says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Get that? That's how those, those, those Israelites gave. As decided in your heart, 
not reluctantly or under compulsion, but for, for God loves a cheerful giver. The giving we see in Exodus is this kind of giving, cheerful giving. Hearts moved by God to give. I would call them even worship givers. Because to me, worship is a response to God's grace and mercy in your life. And you respond to God's grace with your own grace. That's worship giving. Or you could even call it glory giving. Because God wants the glory. And when you give, God gets the glory. As we're going to see, God got the glory. So the key verse again, 2 Corinthians 9.11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way because that produces thanksgiving to God. You get rich when you give generously and God also gets all the glory and the praise. See, I don't know that everybody understands that. I don't know that every Christian understands that. Because many times we're somewhat selfish when it comes to money. We may be generous at times, but again, this isn't about being generous at times. It's about being generous as a lifestyle. But do you know that when you, you know the saying, you reap what you sow, right? Like the farmer sows a seed, they reap a harvest. We reap what we sow, we understand that. But do you get that God also reaps what you sow? Boy, let that sink in. God reaps what you sow. That's what 2 Corinthians 9 and 11 tells us. You will be enriched in every way because you're generous, but God will also get thanksgiving. God gets glory. It produces thanksgiving to God by those who receive your act of grace. That's powerful. And I want you to understand that Paul was not a prosperity gospel preacher like we see today. He was not the Creflo Dollar, the Kenneth Copeland, the Benny Hinn, and the many others that I could name that I won't. But they preached something that says, you know what, folks? If you give $100 today in the offering plate, God is going to bless you with 1000 If you sow a seed of 1000 today, He will reap in your bank account 10000 today. I would never preach that because that is not true. That is not what it says in the context. But they will take that out of the context and they will preach it and i got to be honest with you, some Christians are pretty gullible, and they'll believe it, and they'll do it. And you know who gets rich? They do. Listen, you look it up. I did. Who are the wealthiest pastors in the world today? <laughs> You're not going to see anybody like me on that list. Preachers who preach the Word of God, who love their congregation, who spend time with them, minister to them, care for them, pray with them, you don't see those people on the list. You see those that preach this message where they pull it out of context. So, what is the context? If you read it in the whole chapter, Paul says in verse 14 of chapter 9, while they, those who receive your financial blessing, they long for you and they pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Those saints in Jerusalem, those Christians who got the financial blessing, understood and they prayed for them. They recognized that God's grace was upon them. And they were giving God's grace. 
They received it as God's grace. And they blessed them. It's a spiritual wealth that you receive. It's a spiritual wealth. And then in verse 13, by the approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ, the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. They glorify God. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which produces thanksgiving to God. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Now that you fully understand that verse, because I guarantee there are some that will read that verse and be like, yeah, I want to be rich. What kind of rich you want to be? Because I know the rich I want to be. I know, I understand. A prayer doesn't pay a bill. But it's a better blessing. It's spiritual wealth. And if you want to be generous all the time, it's got to be your lifestyle. And the key is God's grace. You respond to God's grace. When you recognize God's grace and then you respond with your own grace, now you're being generous. Now you're being generous. And what's the opposite? Let's take a look at that for a moment. What's the opposite of being generous? The answer is, I looked it up. Thesaurus. I do it a lot. You're selfish. Being selfish. And is there anybody in here that likes being called selfish? No. Nobody does. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes to be called selfish. And here's the other problem if you're selfish. You're never content. Let's talk about being content. See, if you're selfish, you're always going to want more. You're never truly satisfied. And being generous, way better than being selfish, because when you're generous, it leads to contentment. Selfishness will never give you contentment. You're always going to want more. But being generous will. And I'm going to tell you, Christians, in America, it's hard. Because our culture is telling you the exact opposite of contentment. Our culture is telling you, gimme, 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 gimme. And God's word is saying, no. Be generous in every way. That's what God's word said. I heard this said, said it this way about contentment. Contentment is not having all you want. It's wanting all you have. It's not having all you want. It's wanting all you have. A selfish person never has all they want. They always want more. A content person wants all they have. It's enough. They're content with what they have. Paul told Timothy. He mentored this young man, and he wrote to him in 1 Timothy, the last chapter, Chapter 6, he says in verses 6 through 10, Godliness with contentment is great gain. You want to move ahead as a Christian? You want to know if you're being uh, growing in your faith as a disciple of Jesus? Mix godliness with contentment. Great gain. We brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of the world. If we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich, now he's going to tell you the path of those who want to be rich, who want to pursue money as a means of happiness and joy in their life. Those who desire to be that kind of rich will fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires, and it will plunge you into ruin and destruction. 
The love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It's through this craving some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. And Paul said what you guys probably already know. You're selfish with money. It's never going to satisfy you. You're never really going to be happy. You'll never be content. And in fact, you'll never live a generous lifestyle. You'll never be generous as a lifestyle. Here's a question that is tricky. What would it take for you to be content financially? What would it take for you to be content financially? It's a tricky question because I'm not saying to you, what would it take for you to be set financially? Because that's how we hear it sometimes, you know what I mean? What would it take for you to be set? No, I'm not saying that. What would it take for you to be content financially? Satisfied, completely satisfied with your current paycheck. What would it take? Well, to me, the answer is not money. It's not more money. The answer is a change of heart. Because if you're not content with what you make right now, with what you have, you need a heart change. You don't need a raise. Your heart must be moved by God. The people of Israel at Mount Sinai had their hearts moved, and they were generous. What will it take to move your heart to be generous? Really, the only answer I know to most questions in life is Jesus. What does it take? Just look at Jesus. Think about him for a minute. This is what I did when I was preparing for this message. I thought to myself, what would it take for me to be content financially, where I'm good with what I have? The answer is Jesus. Just look at him. He was, before he came here, he was as rich as you can be, right? I mean, he had all the power, all the fame, all the wealth. He's with God. He is God. I mean, that's what John 1, 1 tells us, right? In the beginning was God. He was with God. He was God. He had it all. And what did he do? He surrendered it all. He left it all behind for you and for me. So if you want to be generous, just look at what Jesus did. He left a perfect place of abundance so that you could have abundance. He became broke for you and me. I mean, would you give away every dollar that you have for someone else to save them even when they weren't even asking for it? Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, we probably wouldn't do that. In fact, Philippians 2 probably says it best what Jesus did. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped. Verse 7, what did he do, church? He emptied himself. He took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, emptied his pockets for you and me. Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 8 9, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear what he says? You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. He became nothing, so you can gain everything. 
He tells, in John 10, 10, he tells you that the evil one, the thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But what did he do? He came that you could have life abundantly. Abundantly. Here's another question for you. What's the best gift you've ever received? Don't say a PlayStation. Don't even say a new car. Don't even say a brand new baby. The best gift anyone has ever received is the gift of salvation. I don't know why, but I just had this thought the other day. I was just thinking about salvation, and I was thinking about, like, I know where I'm going. Like, when I die, like, I know I'm going to be with the Lord in heaven, and that's so comforting. But for some reason, I just had the, the opposite thought. I had that thought, which well, I'm, some, I'm sure, I'm certain some people have this thought. What if I'm not saved? What if I'm not going to heaven? Do you ever have that thought before? Because that thought in itself frightened me so much. I mean, it, it just pained me inside to think, oh my gosh, when I die that I might not be with the Lord? I mean, that, that was scary. The greatest gift, the gift of grace, salvation. Only Jesus can give you that gift. All because he loved being generous. So fix your eyes on that example. Think about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gift that he gives you. And that should prompt you to be generous. So when you see his example, you respond to that. You give faithfully. You give cheerfully. You give increasingly. Because you and God reap what you sow. 2 Corinthians 9.11 You're enriched in every way. To be generous in every way. That produces thanksgiving to God. So now what? What do you do with this message? Praise God you came out on the 4th of July weekend. As, as you can see, uh, uh, half the crowd or half the church is, is out somewhere, you know, hopefully watching online perhaps. But you're here and you heard this message in person and something might be going on in your heart. You might be thinking to yourself, hmm, I'm not really that generous. Maybe I want to be more generous. Maybe I want to be generous. Maybe I want life, my lifestyle to be generous. So how do you respond to this message? Well, one is you could respond in a selfish way. I mean, let's be honest. I fully understand that not everyone's going to hear this message and then be like, okay, let's see, where's my checkbook? Start, start being generous. I get it. It's probably not going to happen that way. Some of us might be selfish, though. Some of us might still be thinking, you know what? All the money I make, that's mine. Like, I work hard for my money. And I'm going to continue, this is one response that you can have to a message like this. I'm going to continue to treat the church, that is the body of Christ, like a charity. And when I say that, think about it, because you've given to charities before. You've given to charities. When you're asked to give, you've given. Sometimes you give 20, sometimes you give 100. Maybe you've given more to a charity. But I guarantee you, I would be shocked if anybody in this room has given more than 1% of their income to any charity. Just think about that. Think about what you give to charities. Maybe, maybe you'll shock me. Maybe I'll get an email or a text. and, and you'll. 
But if you do send it, you'll miss the whole point of what I'm saying here. The, my point is, is that it's nice when you give a little bit to a charity, but that's not being generous. That's not being generous. So the other way you can respond to this kind of message is to be generous to the Lord's work. And this is how you can do that. First thing you can do is admit that every dollar that you make is from the Lord. That's really where it starts. I mean, I used to give 20, 40 when I thought I was a big shooter, when when we used to pass the plate around, you know? Like, I would look at my wallet, and I would be like, ooh, I got some 20s in there. You know, this is a long time ago. And, and sometimes I'd be like, ooh, I'm going to give two 20s this time. Like, that was a, like, I thought that was a big deal. But when I began to see that everything I made was from the Lord, that, that the job I had was because the Lord blessed me, and that tomorrow my job could go away, And some of us who are on Social Security and count on that money, you know, it could not be so secure tomorrow. Like, everything you have comes from the Lord. It's by God's grace that you have it. That's the first step, really, to being generous, is to admit that it all comes from God. Secondly, pray and ask God to help you be content with what you have. Because contentment is a big thing. We still have a pandemic going on today. It has nothing to do with the virus. It has everything to do with mental health. There's a huge stress problem in our country, in our world. It's truly a pandemic, and it's affecting many people. And I think a lot of our stress is tied to our money, how we view money and our finances. And I'm telling you that if you learn contentment with your finances, some of that stress might go away. If you truly want all you have, you have contentment. Does that mean God doesn't want you to increase your wealth, to make more money? No, it doesn't mean that at all. God wants you to increase your wealth. I want you to increase your wealth if you're a good giver, right? I mean, that's what God says, because what happens? God's work gets increased. God gets all the glory. I I mean, that's plain and simple. Thirdly, Give in response to God's grace. Give in response to that. Constantly remind yourself what God has blessed you with and bless others. Bless the Lord's work. And you've got to be consistent. Many of us are not consistent. You had a New Year's resolution. It's July. How's it going? See what I mean? Not a lot of us are good at follow-through. We're not very disciplined. Be disciplined. First Timothy tells us first to be disciplined, to train yourself to be godly. It's, it's a discipline that we have to have. So stay disciplined in your giving. Set a goal to give more every single year. Do you know what the average Christian gives in America? It's less than 5%. The average Christian gives less than 5% of their income. That's not being generous. God instructed the children of Israel in the Old Testament, to give a tithe, which is 10%, that's what the word means, a tenth, a tithe, and an offering, offerings, actually, plural. They gave 10% at the minimum, plus their offerings. So when I hear stories, and there's plenty of them, of Christians who give 15% of their income, 20% of their income, 
30% of their income. And they keep trying to increase it every single year. And they have this amazing stories that they tell. Like when I keep giving, like God just keeps, I don't get it. It's like this, it's amazing what God does. Like I can't outgive God. That's really what it comes down to. And you won't. You won't ever be able to outgive God. So I love it when I hear those stories of people proportionally giving 20, 30% of their income because to me that's being generous. That's truly being generous. And I think those people give because they understand 2 Corinthians 9.11. We are enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which produces thanksgiving to God. Amen? So I'm going to pray, invite our team to come up. We didn't take an offering. We don't take an offering. We ask you to leave it somewhere, a few places that you can leave your offering. But honestly, I'd want you to take this message and, and pray on it and think about it because, again, I don't preach messages so that you'll be generous one time. I preach what the Word says. Today it was about being generous, and I pray that you make it a lifestyle. Folks, we got a lot of work to do. There's 60,000 people in this city. And as you can see by our church and the other churches in the area, they're, on, they're not going to church on Sunday. They need Jesus. They're, they're actually, it's actually quite sad. When you look at your neighbors and you see how, how lost they are, how, how, much, how lack of, how much hope that they are looking for, and you have it. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, you have that hope. And they need that. And we need to share that. And we got to get out there. And that requires this church to keep on growing. And it's because when we're growing, we're growing in size and in our, in our own discipleship. And we're sharing God's grace with others. That's, that's the growth that I want to see. That we just permeate this city with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. This, this, church, this place just knows, wow, what generous Christians coming out of life of purpose. They serve, they love, they give. That's, that's the vision I have for us, being generous. So on the screen, there's a few ways you can always give. At any time, you can give in the, in the basket on one of the high-top tables. Justin, you'll bring up that on the screen for me. And... Um, also, you can give online. You can text our number, give, brings you the link. Um, you can go to our website. You can give that way as well. You can set up recurring giving so that you just know it's going to happen. That's your discipline. You know, you just set it up, and it gives. You can do that as well. But I'll just pray for our offering, and I'll pray that, that we could be generous. Father, may you work on our hearts today and every day to be more like you, made in your image. God, you love us. You sent your son to die for us. That's such, that's such a great gift. Father, I thank you for your grace in our lives. And I pray that we could just continue and respond to that grace. That we'd be worship givers, glory givers, cheerful givers. Father, may we give. May we have the heart to worship you.